Hi everyone and welcome to the Effortless Weddings podcast. My name is Heidi, I'm your host, a marriage celebrant in Melbourne, and each week I talk to a wedding industry professional about how we can help you with planning your wedding. Not anyone else's idea of a wedding, your wedding, an event that is meaningful to you. We guide you through figuring out what that means with the aim of making it all completely effortless. Today, I chat with Sarah Aird, an award-winning marriage celebrant here in Melbourne who is affectionately known within the industry as the Oracle due to her unsurpassed knowledge of the legal requirements for getting married in Australia. Sarah also shares her expertise with new and current celebrants in a way that is friendly and approachable through her training and membership programs. And in this episode, we cover all the important legal items that couples need to know. Hi. Hi. How are you? <laughs> Good. You know, for a Wednesday. Nice to see the... some sunshine today. Oh, wasn't it? And some warmth in the air. Yeah. So nice. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. So I know you've done this welcome. probably a hundred times. No problem. <laughs> Not at all. So Sarah, tell me, who are you? What do you do? So my name's Sarah Aird. I am a marriage and funeral celebrant based in Melbourne. And I also train celebrants, both uh, existing celebrants in their ongoing professional development requirements and new wannabe celebrants in the certificate for in celebrancy. My people call me the Oracle. I do know all of the things and I'm pretty sure that's why I'm here. (laughs) Yes, that's absolutely why you're here. You really do know all the things. You seem to be able to read, understand and remember everything that the rest of us find challenging. Yeah, I just have one of those weird brains. Yeah, well, I think being a trainer is the perfect place for you to be because of that. So I think I speak for all celebrants when I say thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) And you're based in Melbourne. Do you service a particular area within Melbourne? No, happy to go anywhere in Melbourne or Greater Melbourne, down to the peninsula, out to the Yarra Valley. I'm not big on travel. I'm happy to go to regional Victoria, but I don't really want to be doing weddings interstate just because... I like to sit on my couch and eat pizza after and a I don't wedding. Blame you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a nice way to round out the day. Totally. <laughs> there are plenty of amazing celebrants in every state. You don't need to fly me mm. in there. So And do you have a particular style of ceremony that you prefer to do or do you just cover anything that your couples want? I pretty much facilitate whatever my couples want. A big part of my business now is legals only ceremonies. So just, we just do the legal stuff. We sign some documents, we say some words and you're married. Off you go. It takes three minutes. Uh, So a big portion of my wedding uh, work is in that side of weddings, but I love the big ones as well. The personalized, you know, ceremonies where you get to tell their story and there's lots of tears and laughter and hugs when we were allowed to have those uh and all of that kind of stuff so yeah it's for me it's about facilitating whatever my clients are looking for how how did you get into it and how long have you been doing it so i've been a celebrant for almost almost seven years i'm about i'm 11 days away from my seven year celebrantary uh so happy celebrantary thank you (laughs) uh i became a celebrant because i had just left a pretty toxic job and I didn't really know what I wanted to do next. I was temping and typing transcripts and I went to my cousin's wedding in April, 2013 and I was really inspired by the celebrant and I went, that's what I'm going to do. And I turned to mum and said, 
I'm going to do that. And she went, okay, because I said that quite a lot. Uh, but I did. Went off and did my course in late June. Uh, I was registered in late October that year and did my first wedding on the 2nd of January, 2014. Oh, wow. And do you remember your yeah. first wedding like it was yesterday? I do. It was a tiny little legals only uh, in a park and the groom wore a tracksuit and the bride looked like <laughs> she hadn't washed her hair for a week and it was very strange but it was quite nice to kind of get the practice of the legal stuff out of the way without worrying about a ceremony or performing Mm. or anything like that yeah I mean such a big part of what we do is knowing the ins and outs of being able to legally get married within Australia it's a lot more than just showing up for 20 minutes on the day and signing some paperwork Um, So I'd love to educate our listening couples a little bit more on that. And so what's legally required to get married in Australia once you do decide to go ahead with it? Um, So both parties need to uh, not be married to someone else or to each other. If you're already married, you can't get married again. You, they need to not bring up a prohibited relationship. So they need to not be siblings or parent and child or grandparent and grandchild. Mm-hmm. They need to uh, be of marriageable age, which mm-hmm. either means over 18 or 16 or 17 with court approval. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they need to give real consent. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of your four um, criteria. Yep. In order to actually go through the process of getting married, you need to be able to produce some documentation to your celebrant. You need to produce evidence of date and place of birth, either through a birth certificate or a passport, or if it is impossible to get either of those, you can produce a statutory declaration as to your date and place of birth. You need to be able to produce evidence of your identity, usually through photo ID, such as a license or a passport. And you need to produce evidence of the termination of any previous marriages, either a divorce certificate, death certificate, or a nullity certificate. Mm -hmm. You need to lodge a notice of intended marriage with your chosen celebrant at least one month before the wedding. Mm -hmm. And that notice is valid for 18 months. So you can change your date if need be, but it needs to be with your chosen celebrant no later than one month before the ceremony. Mm -hmm. Right before the ceremony, the celebrant's going to ask you to sign a declaration of no legal impediment to marriage. That's a document that, again, gives you the opportunity to say, you're not married to someone else, you're Mm -hmm. not siblings, you're over 18, and there's no other reason you can't get married. Mm -hmm. During the ceremony, you're going to say some words. The The celebrant is going to say some words. There's 124 words in total for all three parties to say. And then you're going to sign three marriage certificates and then you'll be married. That's it. Awesome. Yeah. (laughs) And of course, there are other complexities if you have other issues around, you know, if you've changed your name or things like that, there might be other documentation that you have to show. But basically, Mm. uh, oh, you also need to have two witnesses at your ceremony. Yeah. And that's really it. Yeah. The bare minimum legal stuff to create a marriage. Yeah. And it's not too hard for most of us, but I did want to quickly go back and touch on that impossible part. So I just wanted to clarify for anyone, what does impossible mean in terms of being able to produce some of that documentation? So this is really only relevant for evidence of date and place of birth Mm -hmm. or evidence of the termination of a previous marriage. Um, If it is impossible to produce one of the documents that is listed in the marriage act you Mm -hmm. can produce a stat deck and what we mean by impossible is literally impossible yeah i.e you are a refugee you came here on a boat 
you do not have any documents, you cannot get them from your home country because Mm -hmm. you're a refugee. Mm -hmm. Um, The the building that holds the documents might not exist anymore. It might have been bombed in a war or something like that. So we're looking for, it is literally impossible to get those documents. Not it might cost money or it might take time. Yeah. Those things do not equal impossible. Uh, you might have to delay the wedding for those, but mm. uh, they're not impossible. They don't count as impossible. Yeah. So as an example, if you were born in Australia, you're living in Australia, in Victoria, even better, and you can't find your birth certificate, you just need to get it from birth, death, and marriages. Absolutely. Yeah. You need to apply from birth, death, and marriages. That's right. Yeah. There are a few people who were born in Australia whose uh, births were never registered. Mm-hmm. We're particularly thinking about uh, Aboriginal people who were born on remote mm. um, settlements. Yeah. Uh, so there might be, you know, a handful of people who it's for whom it's impossible to get a mm-hmm. birth certificate if they were born in Australia. But the general rule of thumb, 99.9% of people born in Australia will be able to get a copy of their birth certificate. Yeah. by um, applying at birth, deaths and marriages. Yeah. So if you're living in Victoria and you want to get married in Victoria, but you were born in Queensland, you can still get your birth certificate from Queensland birth, deaths and marriages. Absolutely. You just yeah. apply to Queensland and they, they post it down. Beautiful. And you said that there's the one month notice period. So what if you can't wait that long for whatever reason? Bad luck, <laughs> uh, to be honest. There are five very specific circumstances under which a shortening of time is what it's called can be granted, Uh, but they're very specific. So um, employment or travel related reasons. So if you, if one of you has got a job overseas and you need to leave in less than a month, you can get one for that. If one of you is dying, like literally dying, we'll be dead in less than a month. Yeah. if you've booked the entire wedding and you've spent $50,000, but you didn't know you had to get a celebrant, then you can apply for a shortening of time. Mm -hmm. Uh, If they're, what's number four, legal proceedings, if there are legal proceedings. So if uh, one of you is facing a court case and potentially Mm -hmm. will be going to prison, you can get a shortening. And and the fifth one is if the celebrant makes a mistake. So if the celebrant gives you poor advice Mm -hmm. or if they lose your notice of intended marriage, you can apply for a shortening on those grounds. But those are the only five circumstances. Being pregnant and wanting to get married before the baby comes Mm -hmm. is not a circumstance. Your visa running out is not a circumstance because both of those things have been going for a long time. Yeah. You've had plenty of notice. Yeah. So you could have given your month's notice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. With the the one in particular that I wanted to know about, people that have booked the entire wedding and spent all the money and just had no idea they needed a celebrant at least a month beforehand. Do you have any idea how common that is or do you hear about it on the grapevine? Yeah, it's more common than you would think. Mm. Uh, but I, I couldn't put a number on it. No. But I do know I do know several celebrants who've dealt with them. Um, yeah, people just, I don't, I don't really know how it happens because mm. you would think that the venue is saying to you, Oh, who's your celebrant? And the photographer, yeah. who's your celebrant? And all that <laughs> sort of thing. So it's hard for me to kind of understand how that happens, but, yeah. uh, it, it, it is possible. Yeah. yeah. Like every wedding blog I've ever seen, you know, directories, fairs, expos, all the blogs, all the apps that I think that I've ever seen, they've kind of mentioned we're, we're up there in the top three, if not the number one 
vendor that I you tend to part book. of the problem <laughs> i think part of the problem is that some people um, are only looking at american resources mm, and of course mm. in america you can walk into a courthouse and get a license and get married the next day yeah so um i think that that's part of the problem a lot of people just don't realize that the law is different here mm. uh and you would hope that people are looking at australian resources and i suspect that this will become less common yeah uh as you know there are more australian resources and books and things available that that mm. do talk about the month's notice period yeah that segues really nicely into my next question actually i was gonna ask what is not legally required to get married or during the ceremony that couples seem to be confused about and think that it is legally required because of popular culture. So the very first one is the marriage license. Yeah. We do not have a marriage license in Australia. <laughs> we have a notice of intended marriage. It is a very different thing. So we don't have marriage licenses. That's not a thing. There's a lot during the ceremony. You do not have to say I do. Mm -hmm. That is not a legal requirement to get married in Australia. It's a church thing. Mm. And of course, in American movies, they all get married in the church and people yeah. think they have to say I do. Yeah. Uh, a kiss is not a legal requirement. Being given away by dad is not a legal requirement. It's not even, even a legal requirement for me to pronounce you married. Mm. Yep. That is just a nice to have. Yeah. You don't have to say husband and wife, wife and wife, husband and husband, not mister and mister. You don't have to say any of that. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah. Yeah. Do people ever, ever look at you funny like, so do we kiss now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. Because yeah. you don't want to tell them what to do, right? You don't want to be, yeah. Guys, you don't need my permission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't need my permission. I'm pretty so sure they've been kissing for a long time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And why do we provide education on relationship services? Why might a couple want to engage in relationship services? Sure. So this is part of the government's attempt at stemming the divorce rate, basically. Yeah. Uh, they brought it in several years ago that all, all celebrants are required to provide information to their couples about the availability of relationship education. Mm. Um, and that's not counselling. Mm. Relationship education and counselling are two very different things. Relationship education is about setting you up for having the best relationship going forward. And yep. you can do that pre-marriage or, or after you get married. It's not required. Uh, you might, if you got married in the church, some churches will want you to do some form of pre-marriage education, but it's not required in a civil ceremony. Mm -hmm. uh, but it is a great idea. It's a great idea to make sure that you've had those difficult conversations, mm -hmm. to make sure that you've opened the lines of communication, to make sure that you um, have strategies in place for, for when things get difficult, because they will get yeah. difficult at some point. Um, and so, yeah, that's really what it's about. Uh, pre-marriage education but also um the the fact that relationship education and counseling are available to all couples at all stages of their relationship and yeah. that uh that they should you know attempt something before they go down the termination process yeah i think we've all been in that, those cycle of fights with our partners you keep having the same fights all the time and not getting anywhere and there's nothing wrong with getting a little bit of help sometimes so yeah it's good absolutely. for couples to know those services are out there and there's a reason yeah. we promote them and they're not all religious there no. are there are several ones that are religious based mm -hmm. but there are several that are secular and mm. are not religious at all because a lot of people think it's just a church thing yeah um and it's not 
Yeah, it's not at all. There are some churches that specifically require couples to go through their pre-marriage courses before getting married at that church, isn't there? Yep, definitely. Do you happen to know some of the other differences that couples might have between getting married at a church versus not at a church? Can celebrants marry couples in churches? Sure. Generally, uh, civil celebrants can't marry couples in consecrated churches. Mm -hmm. Uh, You'd have to get permission from the diocese. Uh, and it's generally not granted. Mm. Um, and also depending on the kind of religion or the um, denomination that you're mm-hmm. getting married in, the ceremony is going to be different. Mm. So uh, a ceremony of a recognized denomination is whatever they have had approved essentially yep. as, um, as the, the marriage ceremony. So it won't have the same words as are required in a civil ceremony. Mm. Often there might not be any of the storytelling or other kind of personalization that we see in a civil ceremony. Yep. Uh, and it, it will, you know, often be just, this is the ceremony. This is what you get. You turn up and, and that's how it always is, yeah. which is fine. You know, a lot of, there's a lot to be said for tradition and for, you know, continuing on the things that your family has done and all those mm. sorts of things. So plenty of people are still choosing that option. Less than 20% of people yeah. are getting married in religious institutions now. Uh, but, you know, it's still an available option. Yeah. Do you think that it's less than 20% because civil celebrants, we, we can include cultural and we can include religious aspects into your ceremony if we feel comfortable to do so if we're educated in that area i don't think it's really a because Mm. it's not really a kind of causation thing i think it's um the fact that uh religious marriages are dropping is a lot to do with the general secularization of Mm. of the society and also to do with the fact that a lot of people don't necessarily marry within their own religious community and a lot of religious organizations won't marry people of different denominations or different religions. Mm. A lot of religious organizations won't marry you if you've been married before. And of course we have a large percentage of people who've been married previously. So there's lots and lots of reasons for kind of civil marriage. Mm. Yeah. But yes, you're absolutely right. It is possible for a civil celebrant to include all those kinds of Uh, kind of aspects in their ceremonies for sure. And I'd love to cover some options for non-citizens, non-residents who would like to marry in Australia whilst they're visiting. Um, I know that's probably not something that's going to be super common at the moment or for the the near future, Um, but I guess I just wanted to kind of throw it out there that it's an option though. Yeah, absolutely. The requirements for people who don't live here to get married are exactly the same for the requirements for people who do live here. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can literally fly in on the day, get married and fly out again. You don't have to be here for a certain period of time. You don't have to live here. You don't have to be on any specific kind of visa. You don't have to produce any different kind of documentation. You need to be in touch with your celebrants so that you can produce your documentation to them electronically and make all those arrangements before the day. But Mm. other than that, you just get married just the same as as a couple who lives here do. do. No problems at all. Yeah, so the only recommendation would be maybe check with your home country as to whether or not that marriage would be recognised there. Yeah, absolutely. And usually the the marriage is recognised, but you Mm -hmm. might have to do something in order for it to be recognised. So you might have to do something before the marriage Mm. or you might have to do something after the marriage in order for it to be recognised at home. So that's a really important point. Yeah. And post-COVID, when we can travel again and all that sort of fun stuff, 
there will probably be some Australian couples who might want to get married overseas and make sure that marriage is recognised in Australia. Would I be correct in saying that generally the recommendation might be to do the legal marriage here in Australia either before or after because every country, there's so many different recommendations and, and requirements of the countries where you would be having the ceremony. Am I along the right lines there? <laughs> Look, not necessarily. It really depends on which country. Um, mm. So if you wanted to get married, for example, in Indonesia, in Bali, mm. then yeah, you're much better off to get legally married here because to get mm. legally married in Indonesia is quite difficult. Yep. Uh, but if you're going to Europe or to the US, it's it's not that difficult to, mm -hmm. to get legally married or to New Zealand. Yep. So it really depends where they want to get married. Their marriage will generally be recognized here mm -hmm. if the, if the kind of laws are similar yep. um, about who can get married. So generally if the, if an overseas marriage would have been recognized here, like if that couple wanted to get married here and that marriage would have been okay here, their overseas marriage will be recognised. You can't yep. register your overseas marriage in Australia okay. and you can't get married again in Australia, mm -hmm. but your marriage will be recognised. Yeah, okay. So Generally. Yeah, we don't want people thinking that they can get married twice, like go and get Definitely married not. in one yeah. country and then go, oh, but are we married in Australia? Let's get married again. Don't do that. That's right. <laughs> no, don't do that. Just one marriage. One legal marriage. You can have as many weddings as you like. Go for yeah. it. You can yeah. have as many ceremonies as you like, Parties. but only one <laughs> legal marriage. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And I do want to cover marriage equality a little bit in terms of what are some of the choices couple have in terms of how they can identify on their paperwork and in the ceremony? Sure. Um, the, the, choices are pretty much limitless. Mm. Uh, on the paperwork, you do need to choose groom, bride or partner, mm -hmm. and you need to choose male, female or ex, uh, for your, for your sex. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you don't have to prove it to your celebrant. And mm -hmm. so you don't have to say, Oh, I'm choosing male and look, it says male on my passport. Nope. You get to pick whatever you want mm -hmm. and you also get to pick whichever, uh, term you want. So if you're a, a person who identifies as a woman and you would like to be called the groom, you're allowed to do that. Yeah. There's no problem. No problem with that at all. In the ceremony, you can be husband, wife, partner in marriage or spouse mm -hmm. in your legal vows. Uh, you can be just married. You don't even have to uh, describe yourselves as husband and husband and those sorts of things. So yeah. um, the legal vows are the only place where you really need to put a descriptor in there. And the choices mm -hmm. there are husband, wife, spouse, or partner in marriage. Yeah. So it can cover everybody, which is really good. Yeah. Um, and how do you see the industry is changing for couples at the moment? And I guess I'm kind of thinking along the lines of technology our post-COVID world that we're hopefully working towards and anything else you can think of? What are some of the big changes you think we might see in the next few years? Yeah, it's, it, look, it's really tough. And yeah. I suspect that we're going to see, um, you know, particularly over the next 12 months, but possibly longer, we're going to start to see a lot more smaller weddings, mm. um, a lot more weddings where people are going to say, well, I can't have dancing, so I'm just going to pare my guest list right down. Mm. I'm just going to have 20 people. We're going to have the most amazing feed we've ever had in our lives, and we're going to play some really awesome music, and it's just going to be a really great, classy night. Yeah. So I think we're going to see a lot more of that. Um, I, I'm, not into, I'm not good at trends and things like yeah. that. I have no idea what's coming. Uh, <laughs> but, but I think once we kind of get – 
a COVID vaccine or a decent treatment, mm. I think that there will be a massive influx of parties. Yeah. Huge parties. Uh, because everyone will have been cooped up for so long that they'll yeah. all be desperate to have a big party. So I think we'll we'll see both kind of ends of the scale, mm. small weddings, small intimate kind of gatherings right through to the biggest parties you can imagine. Yeah. Do you think more and more people are going to ask about streaming their weddings and things like that? Yeah, quite possibly. I mean, particularly over the next 12 months, while, while there's not going to be much in the way of international travel, yeah, uh, I think we're going to see a lot more live streaming mm. uh, happening across the board. Um, I'm, my strong recommendation for that is hire someone who knows how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I, I know a lot of celebrants are putting up their hand to say, oh, I can live stream your wedding that that's not your it's not necessarily their area of expertise yeah um and i'm i'm certainly not going to be putting my hand up to do that yeah because i'm a celebrant i'm not, I'm not a videographer <laughs> i'm not Same. a live stream expert there are people who do that yeah and you'd be much better to hire someone who actually does that for yeah. a living you get a much much better product yeah and are there any concerns legally and some of the nuances and complications with that as well. Like I worry if I live stream something on my Facebook and there's music playing, but I don't have the copyright license to do that. Do you know what I mean? Like are there some complications? Facebook with- can shut it down. Yeah. 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 So um, if it is streamed on a public Facebook page, Facebook can literally, and it's got music playing, they can mm. literally just shut it down. Yeah. So you do want to be on a, on a, a non-public platform if mm. possible. Uh, so that that's a little bit more protected. So it is, it does kind of count as a private ceremony. Yeah. Uh, but again, that's kind of a question for the the people who do this all yeah. the time. That's why we'd recommend um, hiring the pros. Absolutely. Because they will know all of the, the best platform to use, mm. the best technology to use to get the best experience, how it's going to be best at the other end yeah. uh, for your viewers to get the best experience as well. So hire an expert. Yeah, Yeah. I think so too. In terms of actually when couples approach you and may like to book your services, what are some of the things you think couples should consider before booking a celebrant? Um, I think that they should consider booking a celebrant who they would love to hang out with, uh, who they'd love to have a a beer with or a coffee with. Uh, I think the best ceremonies come about when there's a genuine relationship and a genuine um kind of like yeah um enjoyment of each other and uh and i mean there's always respect but uh yeah a a genuine sort of connection and and some kind of friendship i think you're gonna have a much better ceremony experience with someone that that you would quite like to sit down and have a good chat with because you just get along as people yeah so that i think that's really important um to choose someone that you that you like yeah yeah because the, the ceremony, I think I've heard from couples before that they may want to save some of their budget from the ceremony. They want to spend more on the reception. Um, and in some ways I can really understand that. But in other ways, I feel like the ceremony really does set the tone for the whole day. If your ceremony is bad, people aren't looking forward to the reception. 
if your ceremony is great, people are buzzing. They're ready to keep going and celebrating with you. Like, do you feel that we, we could probably highlight the importance of ceremony a little bit more for some of our couples? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Look, as I said, said at the beginning, you know, my philosophy is all about facilitating what the clients want. But, yeah. um, but I do really think that the ceremony uh, is more important than a lot of couples realise. Yeah. I had a couple last year who were like, we don't want our story told. We don't want anything personal. We just want to get the ceremony over and done with. It's the most boring bit. Okay, fine. So we had like a 10 minute ceremony and she sent me an email the next day saying, I really wish the ceremony had gone for longer because it was my favorite bit of the whole day. (laughs) She just like, once she was in the moment and Mm. not thinking about it and not too much in her head, she really loved it. And she was like, I wish that we could have done that for longer. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, so, you know, do, do think about how much fun they can be and, yep. uh, and choose a celebrant who's going to give you a fun ceremony. Yeah. Like I know we've all probably been to a wedding where we've stopped paying attention during the ceremony. Maybe it hasn't kept the guests engaged. Maybe we don't remember it the, the next day or whatever it might be, but when it's your ceremony, I think you feel differently about it. And you, when you look back at your photos and possibly even your videos as well, you may want to have invested some time and effort into it yeah definitely definitely i think the the ceremony is the whole reason that we're there yeah there is no party without the ceremony because the party is to sell is to celebrate the marriage that was created during the ceremony yeah so make that ceremony the focal point yeah absolutely it's not just important for the legal part is it (laughs) definitely and for you, do you feel that you have a point of difference or anything in particular that you market to couples so they can know whether or not you're the right choice for them? Yeah, I mean, one of my big things is that I'm really organised. I'm mm. very process driven. And so I, you know, people, my couples like the fact that they don't have to remind me to do yeah. things or they don't have to be chasing me for things because I'm all on top of it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, really the organisation is a, is a big part of of my selling point. Mm. Um, and people just generally, um, talk about me being quite warm and, and, and a calming presence, um, on the day. So I do get super excited as well, but, uh, when, when it's necessary, I can definitely be the calming presence. Yeah. I think that's needed for a lot of people who are pretty nervous on their wedding day. Definitely. Yeah. That's such nice feedback. What a lovely thing for people to say about you. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And so once a couple decides that they would like to book you as their celebrant, talk me through the process of how you work with them. Sure. So um, as I said, I'm very process driven. So once they decide that they want to go ahead and book me, uh, I send them a link to my booking system. They, uh, they sign a contract and they pay a, a booking fee. Uh, and I send them a booklet that has lots of ideas and suggestions of things that they might want to include in their ceremony. Three months before the wedding, I get in touch again and we uh, organise our legals and planning meeting. That's mm-hmm. the meeting at which we complete the notice of intended marriage and I cite their documents and we uh, sit down and we go through the, the booklet that I've sent them and we decide what they're going to include in their ceremony. Mm-hmm. I send them a script by about four weeks before the ceremony. We can have the rehearsal if they want to the week before mm. and then it's the day. 
Yeah. It's not a huge process, is it? It's, um, no, it's just so much thinking about what do you want? Yeah, that's right. There's more nuance in it, uh, Mm. when we get into the nitty gritty, but yeah, generally it's that, you know, I have deadlines and I have times that I'm going to be in touch and those sorts of things. Yeah. And I like that it's nice and simplified for your couples so that, as you said, they don't have to stress about it. They've probably got enough on their plates planning a wedding. So that's right. And can you come up with an example of one of the best weddings that you've been to, or even just some tips for couples, some ideas as to what might make for the best wedding? Uh, In terms of the ceremony, Mm. um, invest with your celebrant, invest in time and invest in getting to know them and in letting them get to know you. Mm. The best wedding ceremonies that I've been part of have been ones where I've really been kind of allowed into the relationship and I've been able to, you know, look behind the curtain and see what's back there and, and really figure out what makes them tick. Mm. Uh, and that means that I can be kind of much more engaged with them and their, and their guests on the day. Um, you know, we can, we can tell their story and, and I know them so well that, you know, people often ask me, oh, how long have you known them for? Yeah. Uh, so that really, the more you put into it, the more you're going to get out. Yeah. Uh, if you, if you don't, answer your celebrants questions or if you don't give them the information they're looking for you're not going to have a great ceremony so Mm. invest time and energy in helping them to create your perfect ceremony yeah and I think you're right I think some of the the most fun I've had at weddings is when guests have said that's one of the best ceremonies I've ever been to because I think everyone's been to the cookie cutter wedding everyone has been to ceremonies where they feel like they've tuned out haven't listened as we were talking about before so for guests to say I was engaged that was great I think like you say that takes time and effort to build that relationship with the couple to present that on the day yep yeah that's right. I like it let's go on the flip side of that coin do you have an example of one of the worst weddings that you've either been to or been a part of or any examples of things that can really damage a wedding ceremony or a marriage ceremony for our couples I think that, I mean, the biggest one is, you know, the couples who just haven't engaged with me. Mm. They haven't really, you know, wanted to participate in their, in creating their ceremony. And so it hasn't quite gone as smoothly on the day. Um, The other, the other big one is not paying attention to weather. Yeah. You know, some of the, some of the more bad experiences that I've had have been, you know, when it's, we're outside and it's 10 degrees and it's pissing with rain Yeah, and it's, yeah. And everyone's wet and uncomfortable and they're going to be wet and uncomfortable for the rest of the night. Yeah. Um, and if we'd just gone inside, we'd all be in a much better position. Yeah. Uh, so I think weather's really important. And I think a lot of couples dismiss how important <clears throat> it is mm. to actually have a pleasant experience during mm. their ceremony. You know, I, I think a lot of couples get stuck on, oh, but I want it to be in this setting okay, that's lovely. You can have all the photos that you want in that setting. Yeah. But if your guests sit out in the rain or in the really hot, yeah. they're not going to have a good rest of the night. Yeah. They're just not going to have a great night. So yeah. um, you really need to think about your guests. Yeah. All those elements, hey, like it could be 40 degrees. If it's really windy, that can really ruin the day. Yeah. Everyone's worried about their hair and you know, yeah. I went to a wedding once that was on a country property and everyone was just getting attacked by flies and that really put a mm. dampener on the day. So, yeah, I think you're yeah, right. Definitely. You're not a fan of uh, beach weddings, is that right? 
No, I don't do beach weddings anymore. <laughs> uh, I, I do not like the beach at the best of times. And I had three beach weddings last year and none of them were particularly enjoyable. So mm. no more beach weddings, but I have the lovely Shannon Jeans who I can refer my beach weddings to. She loves them. So she can have them all. No, good on <laughs> her. Do you have any general tips or advice for our couples or any final thoughts you'd like to throw out there? Uh, I think, you know, hire professionals across the board, not just your celebrant, but across the board, hire people who know what they're doing and let them do their job. Yeah. Let them do uh, what you have hired them to do. Um, You know, I know it's really hard. You really want to be involved in every element of the day. But let your let your vendors do what they do best mm. and let them guide you, let them give you advice, take that advice. Yeah. Uh, and also let them work together. You know, yeah. the 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 best, most seamless weddings will be when you've got a team of vendors who who are used to working together. Yeah. Uh it just it goes off without a hitch and it's it's a really pleasurable experience for everyone involved when when the vendors work well together um, because they're familiar with each other and those sorts of things. So yeah, yeah hire a team, hire a, a, you know, great team and, uh, and let them, let them do their best work for you. Yeah. It's so funny that you're saying that. Cause I think everybody that I've asked that question to so far has said something very, very similar that the most yeah. stressed couples are the ones that try to control too much, try to create yeah. the absolute perfect day minute to minute. Whereas the couples yep. that seem to enjoy their day the most are the ones that book the great suppliers, let go a little bit because the suppliers yep. and vendors, we're, we're pretty good at doing things on the fly as well because yeah. we're experienced. Yeah. So when things go yeah. wrong, if you let us manage it, we'll probably be able to create something better. Whereas if you're trying Definitely. to control it, you're just stressing yourself out more. So for sure. Quite the emerging trend, that one. I like it. Yes. (laughs) And should anyone want to contact you about booking you and your services, how can people find you? So on the web at sarahaird.com.au, that's S-A-R-A-H-A-I-R-D.com.au. On Instagram and Facebook at Sarah Aird Civil Celebrant. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, that's where you'll find me. Yeah. Any celebrants listening who might want to get in touch with the Oracle? <laughs> sure, sure. Celebrants can find me at the Celebrant Institute. That's my collaboration with Queensland celebrant Josh Withers, where we mm-hmm. ask, uh, we answer any questions that celebrants have about how to celebrate, basically. Yeah. Uh, you can find us at celebrant.institute. And if you need to do your ongoing professional development this year, you can find me at lifeskillstraining.com.au and all our OPD dates are up on the website. Yes, you are quite the busy bee. <laughs> Indeed, very busy, yeah. Yeah. But it's all good. Yeah. You're a champion, Sarah. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today and answer all these questions. You're so welcome. And give out all this amazing advice and information to our listening couples. Um, no problem. I hope you get out of your house soon. I hope you have a great yeah. week and great <laughs> <You> weekend. <too. laughs> we will escape Thank soon. Thank you so much. <laughs> Absolutely, we will. Have a good one. You take care. See you later. Bye. As always, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Effortless Weddings podcast. Give the Instagram at Effortless Weddings a follow. This is where I promote upcoming episodes and also ask you for your feedback on who you want to hear from, what information you need to know and what areas you might need a hand with.
If you happen to have some positive things to say and might like to help encourage others to join the tribe, give us a little review on your preferred podcast streaming service. And to keep hearing more great wedding advice from some of the best the industry has to offer, hit subscribe and get notified each week as new episodes drop. Once again, my name is Heidi, and if you have any questions, ideas for an episode, or even want to share your wedding planning stories, feel free to contact me. All of my links and information will be listed in the episode description. Thanks again for listening. Keep doing happy dances, and remember that life is always better when sprinkled with cheesy love stuff.